among Cochrane's closest friends and supporters. When he died in 1860, the Times noted that he had outlived envy and malice, had suffered much, and triumphed at last. History can produce few examples of such a man or of such achievements. There have been greater heroes because there have been heroes with greater opportunities, but no soldier or sailor of modern times ever displayed a more extraordinary capacity than the man who now lies dead. In an age which saw the rise and fall of Napoleon and the upsurge in poetry, literature, and painting of the Romantic movement, Cochrane was the very epitome of the Romantic hero. His life has an epic quality and was marked by a dramatic successions of ups and downs. Remarkable triumphs were all too often followed by disappointment and recriminations. Like so many heroes, he was a flawed character with a temperament which led him into conflict and disputes. He imagined enemies where there were none and made enemies of people who should have been his friends. He was frequently out of step with his times and lacked the insight and the humility to understand why this should be and to adapt to it. His most damaging fault was his pursuit of money and his relentless determination to make his fortune. Many naval officers were motivated by the lure of prize money, the reward for the capture and subsequent sale of an enemy warship or merchant vessel, but with Cochrane it became an obsession. When he arrived in Chile, he told his brother William, I have every prospect of making the largest fortune which has been made in our days, save that of the Duke of Wellington. There were good reasons for his mercenary attitude, as we shall see, but it was to cause trouble in his lifetime, and in recent years has tarnished his once glittering reputation. Cochrane's autobiographies have also been responsible for the conflicting views about him. The first of these appeared in 1859 and was entitled, Narrative of Services in the Liberation of Chile, Peru, and Brazil from Spanish and Portuguese Domination. The second, which was simply called The Autobiography of a Seaman, was a racy account of Cochrane's career in the Royal Navy and was published shortly before his death in 1860. It was widely read at the time and has since become one of the classics of naval literature. Both biographies were compiled when Cochrane was in his eighties and were based on his memories of distant events as well as letters, logbooks, journals, newspaper cuttings, and the memoirs of those who had known him. Neither book was written by Cochrane, but by a professional author called George Butler Earp. Both contain vivid accounts of his naval actions, but the South American volume is marred by the excessive amount of space devoted to arguments about pay and prize money, and the autobiography of a seaman is a platform for Cochrane's embittered views of the Basque Roads action, the court-martial of Admiral Lord Gambier, and the Stock Exchange trial of 1814. Cochrane used the biographies to settle old scores, and it was not long before his attacks on leading figures of his day produced a backlash from their families and supporters. The first shots came from Lady Chatterton, who published a biography of Gambier, commander-in-chief at the time of Cochrane's fireship attack on the anchored French fleet at Basque Roads. She strongly defended Gambier's actions, and pointed out a number of errors in Cochrane's account. Far more damaging were two books which set out to defend Lord Ellenborough, the formidable judge who had presided over the stock exchange trial which had led to Cochrane's imprisonment and disgrace. The first book by J. B. Attlee, an Oxford scholar and a barrister, 
was published in 1897 and was a meticulous examination of the background to the trial, the evidence presented, and the arguments for the defence and the prosecution. Attlee not only set out a convincing case for the guilty verdict on Cochrane, but was dismissive of the autobiography. No naval biography is more entertaining, he wrote. Yet this popular book has been compiled in so extraordinary a manner as to have little claim to be considered anything more than a historical romance. The second book, The Guilt of Lord Cochrane, in 1814, which was written by Lord Ellenborough's grandson, underlined Attlee's verdict on the trial, and concluded, The so-called autobiography of a seaman has been a fraud on the boyhood of England for over fifty years. It is not an autobiography. It was not even written by a seaman. The doubts cast on Cochrane's character and on the reliability of the biographies did nothing to stem the interest in his life. The heroic and dramatic nature of so many of his exploits proved irresistible for later generations of biographers, and were a source of rich material for historical novelists. Indeed, Cochrane's literary legacy has proved more significant than his historical legacy. He rarely received.